All right, welcome everybody to Current Events with Max and Colborn. Although we'll probably have to change the name this week to Current Events with Max and Colborn and Friends, Max and Colborn and Company. Anyways, I'm Max Cohen. I will be one of your hosts today. Joining me as he does for every Current Events episode is the founder of the Museum of Crypto Art. That would be Colborn Bell. How are you, Colborn? I'm wonderful, Max. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Um, I hear giggling in the background, and that would be from, it seems this cohort of fascinating individuals that you've collected in a room together in upstate new york um who will be joining us for today's current events episode an expose on pepe's and bitcoin stuff art of all kinds um so who do we have with us today uh you guys want to introduce yourselves hi uh this is eleonora brizzi uh crypto art curator uh, have been in the space uh, since 2018, and um, I started with um, Rare Peppers, and so I guess this is why I'm here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on, Eleanor. Eleanor, I'm sorry. It's fine. You're fine. You're good. I'm going to continue to make that mistake for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I've got Sam here. Um, I go by CryptoPunkArt on Twitter. Uh, that was meant to be a uh, collective that uh became subsumed within my own one of my many identities um so if anyone else wants to contribute and be a part of that they're welcome to join that part of my uh my identity or i'm willing to share that with them so um i know there's been a million derivative projects related to it um if they wanted to come under this banner then they're they're welcome to to find a way yeah thanks sam for coming on we appreciate you being here and lewis uh <laughs> Pepe archivist and uh, software developer. Do we have one more or is that it? We just got the four of you today. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> my name is is Aaron. I'm uh, <clears throat> sorry about that. I'm losing my voice. I'm, uh, I own a couple pizzerias in Brooklyn and Manhattan called Williamsburg Pizza. And we are as active as a pizzeria can be in the blockchain space. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, Aaron, you, you are accepting Dogecoin now, right, with your own POS, so that's... It is true. We built a system so we could accept Dogecoin just and launched about three weeks ago, and our loyalty program is, is blockchain-based, too, where the people's uh, loyalty cards are NFTs. I'm going to have to come by. I will say that uh, I did not expect to have anyone introduce themselves as a pizzeria owner here, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Yeah, try and, try and stitch this fabric together now, Max. <laughs> I can't. I won't try. Um, maybe someone in the audience will inevitably be able to. Um, so we're going to talk about Rare Pepe's today, uh, but I figure that this is probably going to go off the rails pretty fast. So let's just <laughs> expect it. Let's embrace it. Let's just roll with the punches. Um, I'm going to try not to organize this like uh, one of those awful like NFT NYC panels where I ask a really like generalized question and wait for everyone's answer. So I'm going to let you guys kind of figure it out amongst yourselves who wants to answer what, but I would love to know just kind of at the very beginning, like why did y'all fall in love with rare Pepe's and was it through rare Pepe's that you fell in love with the blockchain? Like what came first blockchain or rare Pepe's Aaron, you're the pizza guy. Maybe you could start us off. Uh, I fell in love with the blockchain first and, uh, 
only found out about rare Pepe's a little bit later, but uh, it seemed like one of the fundamental art movements of the space. And uh, so I've got a lot of respect for it on that front. And I knew of rare Pepe's as a meme from uh, mm -hmm. since before, I believe since before the blockchain had yet been invented, then became more familiar with the blockchain. And then rare Pepe's, as we're talking about as the uh, token phenomenon on Bitcoin came after. So kind of a sandwich love affair. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't put it as eloquently as Lewis just did, but I had a similar journey, I guess. Pepe, uh, I, think, I think the rare, the rare Pepe was something that was really activated the, uh, the movement towards towards what eventually became NFTs, right? Is really uh, proved the the model of uh, digital scarcity um, and and the memeability and the, the the power of memeability and in some ways the and obviously the monetization, although it has been had been done in certain ways, but not in a meme uh, based way. I would say. Yeah, it was. One of the most major examples of like meme-driven development. Yeah, and, and 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 much more, I think. So I was coming from the uh, art world. I never worked in art institutions. I was like, I was uh, in China. I worked for Ai Weiwei, the artist, for many years. And I always say this because for me, that was a very special uh, place to be. Uh, because obviously when you work for an artist who is dissident, but especially with people who decided in a country like China to work with him more than him, uh, it was, uh, you know, as I always say, like I was really like touched uh, by uh, the, the freedom, the feeling of freedom. And so after years uh, in this kind of environment, for me, it was very difficult to think uh, <laughs> about working in an art institutions, like art galleries or anything like that. And, and so when I stepped into New York, I found out about, it was September, 2018. So I didn't know anything about the blockchain until September, 2018, when I was invited to this uh, conference at the National Arts Club in Manhattan. And all the people that we know today was the Rare Pepe people, Dada, um, I believe CryptoPunks are super rare, uh, Jessica Angel, who was the one who founded the uh, uh, community on Telegram, who at the time was also not very much used. All these people on a stage talking about art and blockchain. That was how it was how like I was introduced. But then the real conversation happened um, at dinner, um, actually with Lewis, who's here, and um, it was with with Pepe. Was um, really was like first love. So yes, like it, as they were saying, like. Uh, probably one of the most successful projects for monetization for memes, but so much more. I mean, Pepe till today is, um, to me, is like, it's everything. I was coming from the art world that I've never heard about such a free space, like a space filled with freedom of expression, uh, all these artists submitting cards um, and this curation, non-curation, as we always talk about, and um, the community around it that he created. It was probably the first time that, it is probably the first ever crypto art project uh, since, you know, it was the first time that when a real community was created around it. Uh, Pepe, you know, being a meme, it is a symbol and that you can use in many ways. It is really like, it's this, 
condensed um, almost like formula for what you know like for crypto art and for the reasons why we're here today i mean the the counterparty people today we had a pepe festival uh in paris in october it was the first one and at today with everything that happened with nf the boom of nfts and everything else they're still talking about the fact that the art is the token that you can't like you cannot detach these two things from each other otherwise they wouldn't leave so there's so much uh, about pepe that i can't we can really summarize. And I just want to take a moment to shout out Joe Looney, who tried to be yeah. here with us today, uh, but <laughs> couldn't quite make it at the last moment. So we're we're thinking of you and we are. And we'll get you here one day. Creator of the Rare Pepe Wallet. Creator of the Rare Pepe Wallet. I thought you were about to launch into an impromptu in memoriam section. So I'm really glad that he just couldn't make his flight. <laughs> no, no, he's he's all right. Yeah, he's good. Eleonora, you know, I, I did a little bit of, of, of research. I'm you know, familiar with you as this kind of like fine art curator who I, I would say has worked predominantly with, I guess, what I would call like capital A art, like art identifying as art. I'm curious, like, how does that sensibility mesh with something that's so like kooky and kind mm -hmm. of meme driven as Rare Pepe, like within crypto art? Well, so first of all, if we all agree that, you know, art speaks like the language of its time, I don't see any, you know, it's like a rare Pepe is art that comes from the communities of the web. It's even, I mean, before blockchain is like all the, you know, topics and irony and way of like, uh, of this community to exist. I, I think it really comes from, yeah, from like the communities of the web. And so it is very contemporary and it really, really answers to, um, a very contemporary spirit. And then um, I also find very, um, it's very, I mean, the, the way it is attached to a token and um, tokenize and register on the blockchain is not only about monetization, but it's very conceptual on, a, on, on what side. Um, and so it really is the representation of you know, like progress, like new technologies and um, and art. Um, I don't see how else uh, rare peppers could be uh, considered. Um, so to me, it really is like uh, some of the most uh, contemporary art spaces that I've ever met. When I was a kid, uh, I'm talking like 12, 13 years old, I used to be like a total shithead, like 4chan lurker. And I used <laughs> to like just save into a file all these memes and I remember one, there was a, a, a Pepe meme, uh, it was crying Pepe. And it said, um, you're too young to explore the earth, but you're, I'm sorry, you're too old to be, explore the earth, but you're too young to explore the galaxy. <laughs> and I, when I first kind of re-encountered rare Pepe's in this ecosystem, I hadn't been aware of all of the like reclaiming, I guess, or just, I guess, outright claiming by like this conservative movement related to you know the right wing of the american political system that had like reclaimed this or i guess claimed this economic like symbol um mm -hmm. and i was just aware of it as this like this meme it seemed like it almost like bridged the gap between what it was originally for me which was just this like totally rampant meme that matt fury created in 2005 mm -hmm. and now you know matt fury's in the blockchain world he mint stuff periodically lewis i'm curious you know you said you were a rare pepe archivist yeah you know, were you there when this kind of first like nakamoto 
rare Pepe card came into existence. I believe somebody named Mike minted it. And in your opinion, like, was there thereafter, like an intention to reclaim this like Matt Fury image, or was it just totally improvisational and sudden this just like outright endorsement of this meme just because it was catching fire? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't there around for the first uh, card, the Nakamoto, um, but a little bit later. I mean, as far as the project was concerned, I don't think there was any, I don't, I don't think there was any idea of like claiming or reclamation in any sense. It was more the fact that this meme was like a medium for expression. So in this sense, it was already kind of, it was already claimed as a medium, but not in the sense of, um, I don't know, something perhaps more like pointed or ideological. I mean, like, you know, certain ind individuals may have like had that in any case, like individually, but as a, as a whole and as a symbol, I think it was pretty neutral. And mm -hmm. the scientists who helped curate the gallery also were kind of very intentional to, while at the same time allowing people to submit kind of whatever um, without any kind of, you know, bias. Uh, but at the same time, making sure that things stayed within like a certain lane of acceptability. Um, so perhaps like a little more moderation than would be found on a 4chan image board. Mm -hmm. And you know, probably owing to the you know the longevity of the Pepe curation versus that of a thread on 4chan being ephemeral. Um, so I think it struck a, a really good balance of you know allowing for creative expression while at the same time kind of like preventing some of the more, uh, let's say, like, off-railing aspects of memetic engineering to, uh, like, find their way into the project. Can you go into just a bit more detail about what you mean with, like, the off-railing of memetic engineering? Like, what does that look like if it doesn't have guardrails? Um, well, it looks more like 4chan, <laughs> right? And then that's why I think we're getting at where, like, you know, uh, memes, especially Pepe being, let's say, like co-opted and and so forth, or like you know brought along like ideological lines of one side or another, um, and so so I think that's or also and and not not even that I think that's even like a subset of just uh, you know kind of esoteric trolling as such. So you know if if your intention is to like derail or troll or to offend then there's like any number of like very simple ways to do that through visual media yeah let's say certain quality standards needed to be put in place you know uh, for that purpose and there's even like minimal quality standards on 4chan as well that are perhaps like sometimes more or less enforced uh, for like you know the type of curation they have to do so it was slightly more here being a, a tokenized project for which the images would live uh, presumably forever. Yeah, I, I was doing a, a bit of research about just rare pet base in general. Um, it's something that I've been perhaps a bit out of the loop on because it there's so much history and it so vastly precedes me. Um, it's kind of hard to get a grasp on. Mm -hmm. um, Sam, I listened to a podcast with Joe Looney from 2021, where he talked about at length how rare Pepe is at that time. And I think this was like kind of before the like NFT boom took off, but maybe just at kind of the outset, mm -hmm. um, how like rare Pepe's just weren't getting their due 
in the larger kind of NFT ecosystem weren't capitalizing or weren't being given the reputation that they deserved. I I feel personally like that's changed pretty comprehensively. Uh, it seems to me like there is a kind of universal reverence for the Pepe image that's almost like exaggerated. We see it, you know, used by all sorts of different actors within crypto art um, for good and for bad. You know, it kind of gives one a, an inherent OG status or at least a analog to an OG status to simply reference the meme. Like, what do you think changed there? And like, when wh when did you see something change, if at all? Sure. Um, yeah, from my perspective, um, I mean, I feel like the initial boom of uh, art on Ethereum was fueled by um, by Rare AF and the work of, of Pepe uh, really inspired a group of creators to kind of, I mean, of course, uh, CryptoPunks were already around then and there were some projects, but like, you know, a number of platforms really started to come together um, shortly thereafter. And I think um, really Pepe, because Pepe sh uh, shut down or the, the project shut down in terms of creating new content um, at the time, at right around then. And so these other platforms really sort of took the next step in, in moving the, the space forward. Uh, and then I think afterwards, so, so, so of course then you have a, a difference and then people started getting onboarded onto a, a different chain. They didn't really know how to use counterparty. Those tools were also, maybe um, being not, not being updated as, as much, and there wasn't anyone out there promoting it. Then you have DeFi summer happen, and you have a huge influx of capital coming, and then you start to see NFTs blowing up in 2021. And um, I guess at that point, I mean, the art community, the Pepe was, was still, was, was, was definitely, you know, very well respected. And as people started to listen more to, to artists who had been in the space for a while, I think they started to um, kind of look back. And then you have this whole class of people who, who are getting priced out of things, uh, started to do archaeology and, or, and, and find projects from the past that were important and relevant. And I think that's when uh, it really kind of took off. I think it was probably, yeah, I mean, I would, I hate to be, pessimistic, but it was, it was almost like a, a financial, uh, people looking for financial gain that, that gave it another, another leg or like the, the kind of people, like as they cycle through these different things, there was something, it was something else to cycle into. That's sort of how I, I see um, people kind of coming around to it. I think obviously the, the, the meme itself became, it's, it's, it's proven to have such long legs. Um, like a frog leaping to uh, different places, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of I guess how how I would I would say that it it'll it it thing this thing operates in cycles, and and uh, Pepe is a big mover of uh, of cycles. That was a very poetic. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. It, it keeps living today with like the fake rares and. Mm. Uh, you know, it became like its own animal. It's still, it's like developing. It's not the rare peppers anymore, but really like it's the same people uh, who organized and started this new thing, which is the fake rares. Um, obviously started with a joke uh, as usual. So it's still, it's still on. There's so many new people creating peppers. I mean, it's incredible. 
uh, and it's still on counterparty. No, yeah, it's on counterparty. Uh, and no, I wanted to add one thing uh, before I forget because I think it's very important for the contribution of Pepe. You know, there is a difference between being influential and being like influencer and projects like Pepe and Dada. They're very influential, uh, CryptoPunks. Um, which is the three projects that for me are everything and the reasons why we are here today. The uh, Holy Trinity. Uh, yes, the Holy it's Trinity. the Holy Trinity. Yes, I think so. I mean, for me, yes. <laughs> uh, what? So uh, last year, we, it was not last year, it was 2022 now. Um, so Dada organized the historical NFT festival in Barcelona. And I was working to that for the retrospective and doing the research and podcast and like this timeline uh, that was covering from 2011 up until 2019. Um, it was anyway like talking, you know, we Joe Looney uh, specifically one day uh, in a podcast that we organized, like you start having an overview on the space that if you are very, you know, absorbed, like and close to the source, you sometimes like uh, get lost in it. And the overview was uh, what Pepe contributed. For. So in 2015, the Spells of Genesis game, uh, it was the first time that somehow people, like uh, the collectors, the players of the game were like, okay, so now we have these cards, but I mean, do I own this card? I mean, how can we actually collect this for real. Okay, why don't we attach it, like we register on the blockchain. And so it was the first time that you have like actual collectors, almost like Spells of Genesis contributed to create, you know, um, collectible uh, digital assets. And then in 2016, which was also followed by many people that then started the Rare Pepes, uh, when, yeah, in one of these um, Telegram groups, when Mike, posted his card and it was like you know i created a card like a, the the nakamoto card and then people in the chat asked oh so you created your own digital cards like you and you tokenized it yes it's tokenized so it's a it's collectible but i created it and then people are like but do you think like can we create our own cards yes of course you can create your own cards and so it's like the first time that people understand like uh, artists and creators that they can actually create a digital asset and attach it to the blockchain. So the contribution is enormous. It's like, it's one of the first attempts. It's like, it's a contribution that goes uh, beyond uh, the crypto art space or the NFT space, however we want to call it, but it's really like digital culture, uh, no? I mean, something I haven't put together, just we're here on the side scrolling through the entire collection is uh, the precursor to this even is feels like Magic the Gathering uh, and how important Magic the Gathering was even just for the development of Bitcoin as well. Was it important to the development of Bitcoin? With Mt. Gox, tremendously, yeah. Can you talk about that a bit more? Well, I mean, what were they trading on Mt. Gox? They were trading Magic the yeah. Gathering cards in Bitcoin. Originally, it was Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Yeah. Is what Mt. Gox stands for. Whoa. And then they were just set up to be like one of the first places to trade Bitcoin. And then the rest is history. You know, it was a big <laughs> fiasco. First of many. And still <laughs> continue to this day. 
um, but yeah, so something about Magic the Gathering is interestingly because it is it is itself a rare collectible card game and has also manufactured rarity. Like even you know, although they probably wouldn't publicly say it, like they and, and there's like you know the old cards that they never reprint and people like invest those have become like major. You're the Black Lotus card. That's, yeah, like a Black Lotus. Like people diversify into Magic the Gathering these days. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely something there, and the use of like the Magic the Gathering frame in the first rare Pepe card, and many of the subsequent cards, you know, kind of also taking that aesthetic is an interesting connection as well. And this is maybe an important note. I learned an incredible fact, blew my mind on uh, scarcity and where this is all going. And people talk about you know the supplies of some of the larger things. Of course, there's Pepe cash or whatever. There's some that are in the billions, but for instance, I heard this week that Pokemon cards last year printed 9 billion cards. Uh, and the fact that there are, you know, 9 billion Pokemon cards printed this year doesn't make the fact that, you know, the, the hollow Charizard from the first series, it doesn't make it any less valuable. 9 billion Pokemon cards minted this year and still all the ones that I'm keeping in my desk drawer from 2002 are worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. One day. Um, <laughs> one day, maybe. So, um, Aaron, I've, uh, you, know, you mentioned accepting Dogecoin at uh, your pizzeria, which is fascinating to me. And Dogecoin is fascinating to me because it seems to be singular amongst the memes that we have that this, like, the image and the currency itself kind of, like, comprehensively touched, like, a lot of people outside of the NFT world. Like, there is just a recognition of Dogecoin. There's an awareness of Dogecoin, even if it's a negative opinion. Unlike so much of the stuff that goes on here, that's kind of like, there is a universality to it. And I, I wonder, like, you know, you come in contact, I imagine predominantly with people who are not in the NFT world, and maybe you're creating that bridge for them. But do you think there's a world in which, you know, Rare Pepe similarly kind of escapes crypto art with some kind of exit velocity and the strength and amount of the memes created with it and it becomes kind of a similarly like universal meme where people at large are like collectively for whatever reason aware of this ridiculous thing i mean i think that's entirely possible <clears throat> i think as lewis mentioned earlier i mean pepe predates blockchain right to, to some extent i mean yeah it was from 2005 is when matt fury i believe created the meme yeah so i think that that is entirely possible and, you know, a little bit of what Sam said about the legs that's gone in different directions. I mean, I first really encountered it not in, it wasn't the crypto space, but it wasn't in the NFT space. It was like one of the early projects that I really liked was Chainlink. And for some reason, the Link Marines adopted Pepe as their main meme character very early on, like as early as 2017. He was there. So it's it's super diverse. So I think the the short answer is, yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about the way the universe works to lay out the path for that but i believe that it's entirely possible because it's been around for a long time and it's involved in a lot of different communities so for somebody who's i don't know hosting this podcast who may not know much about Chainlink, for example what was kind of like well, you you mentioned Chainlink marines is that what you just said yeah it's like it's their main supporter group you hear the doge army for some reason it's the link marines but they're just the diehard supporters of that community but uh i mean there's one of the main 
Anons that's like super into the commenting space and is chain link God and all of his images are Pepe and have been since the inception of that project and him showing up on the scene and tons of other ones like that. That's how that's how community was formed in the beginning with hashtags on Twitter. <laughs> chain link Marines, XRP Army, Doge Army. This was how you this was pre NFTs. This is how you showed who you were. I can't imagine that world, <laughs> at least not for the sake of generating currency. Um, regardless, you know, one thing that I'm interested in a lot is like the exact moment at which something changed. I talk about this a lot with AI. Like I'm really interested in knowing, I think I've mentioned this on like the last four podcasts, but I'd really love to know like what the actual date was last year post chat GPT release when people started to experiment with AI art in a kind of exp exponential way. And like, Lewis, I'm curious your observation of the thing. Like, when did you realize that Rare Pepe's had kind of escaped its confines of this Telegram group and was, and like the image itself was just being co-opted everywhere? Because I see it co-opted everywhere in crypto art, way outside of Bitcoin. It has a presence on um, Solana, which is where I got my start. Like, it's just this kind of I don't know what you call it, this connective tissue between pretty much everyone involved in any blockchain. Like, when did you realize that people were realizing that something legit was happening with this iconography? Well, I mean, that's been happening since day one. And I think a lot of that is, again, like the ubiquity of Pepe. For example, like, I think a lot of the Link Marine organization also happened on 4chan. And so that's where, like, Pepe is very native to 4chan. So it's like, you know, it's it's very already distributed across different communities. And then even from day one, there were, let's say, people doing Pepe spinoff projects or like, you know, crypto art projects. It's like Pepe Gallery on ETH or whatever, you know, from like 2017, 2018. So there was already, I mean, people were noticing something like, catching on and successful. And then that was also highly mimetic using a character they knew and then like generating their own projects from that. So I, I don't think there was, there's never like a, some moment where that occurred, but it's more like the spread of the meme itself. Um, you know, it's like the more the meme spreads, the more the meme further spreads and people create projects out of it. It was like a big bang. Yeah. The big green bank. Big, big green <laughs> <laughs> you could turn that into a card, I'm sure. Uh, let everyone imagine what that'll look like. Um, Colborn, I remember hearing about, I think it was Art Gnome who kind of talked about it in reverential tones, was the Rare Art Fest in, I believe it was 2018, when uh, the Homer Pepe sold for what I believe was like $40,000. Um, and it inspired Art Gnome to believe that there was like a real possibility of a movement happening here there was real interest real like availability of funds like do you think that pepe still has that kind of inspirational quality or do you think that the image has kind of like turned into something else today uh you know i'll, I'll just say like i was in the car with dimitri cherniak yesterday and we were talking about the, that fake rare season eight and how absolutely incredible <laughs> that collection and season was so it clearly still has the power to pull in like some of the the top selling largest whatever artists in the space and that is kind of a a beauty of the space i suppose for me i'm just concerned is the wrong word but trepidatious because 
I know that the image imparts onto whoever creates it or whoever uses it some kind of like in-group status. Um, like I think there's a reason you see it so often in like the 6529 meme projects. Um, there's a reason that like Vincent Van Doe is so highly touting of any kind of Pepe bearing iconography. You know, do you think that like perhaps the image itself, not the rare Pepe's on the blockchain, like the hard and fast rare Pepe's, but Pepe itself as a piece of iconography has been co-opted perhaps in like negative ways within crypto art? I would, I would, I would say just the opposite. It's almost uh, like crypto wanting to break out and be bigger. And it's a, it's a way for it to relate to more people. And I think at the end of the day, we want to drive adoption. So let's take this, like the icon meme, whatever of our generation and let's proliferate it. Let's put the visual ahead of the tech and maybe people will be compelled to, to get in here because of it. Good answer. Eleonora, do you feel that rare Pepe's like the evolution of rare Pepe's to where they are now has kind of jived with your expectations of how the image would evolve? Um, especially in how like, I don't know, self-proclaimed like fine art is also reverential and referential to Pepe's or like, did you even have expectations for how it would grow? I didn't have expectations, but what I have been learning about uh, the people, the Pepe community, but especially let's say, you know, the people who are, were involved with the Pepe project, like a lot. So the scientists, I don't know, I can mention Skrilla in this case because of the fake rares. Um, I didn't have expectations on how it will develop, but somehow I really, truly trust the spirit of uh, these people. And it's incredible to see how even now they do like physical artworks, which is completely opposite of what they wanted to do at the beginning. Mm. It is exactly the same spirit translated into like uh, new forms and new ears. It's incredible. And I, and I go back to the Holy Trinity on how in 2000, uh, let's say last year, uh, 2023, uh, so we had, um, I curated a show for Dada in Milan and I met um, Matt and John, uh, the, the CryptoPunks, Matt and John, they were in Paris because there was like the opening of the Santo Pompidou collection. Um, and I helped organize the Rare Pepe Festival in Paris. And after everything that happened, these people started the entire thing. And in 2023, they're still ahead of the movement. And what they keep doing or saying or answering is still completely revolutionary. And not only revolutionary, and like... A, uh, they bring innovation. So I, I give you the example. So Dada is the first, um, so they coded royalties for the first time ever. So in 2017, they took the CryptoPunk code and they used it for their historical collection, the Crypts and Weirdos. And then since Dada is a collective, um, you know, they were thinking like, how do we capture value for the future of these artists, like this collective? You know, we should code like on the blockchain that in, in the future, when the artworks are going to be resold, a part is going to come to the uh, going to come back to the artist. And it, it was the 40 percent. So what today we call royalties and it's like a major uh, thing for the blockchain space was coded by Dada. But then 
since when the debate of forcing royalties started because we we saw like some platforms like dropping out from you know like a open sea like we don't want to uh necessarily uh, uh you know guarantee right force royalties anymore and there was so much debate so that we also had the opposite reaction like no you should force royalties a platform like dada the moment they understood that something will be forced they created a new marketplace where royalties are not forced because you should choose, like you should be free to choose about it and it's the same group of people who coded the royalties for the first time this is the first example of how the spirit of this uh, innovators uh, you know is very much alive even right now then when i met met and john in paris obviously i mean, we, we just briefly talked like a little bit uh, about the uh, crypto punks and the only thing that i asked was like are you are you sad that your babies you know like this beautiful project that you created like ended up being the way it, it, we all know it ended and the answer was you know crypto punks and this we talked about like when you were presenting the event crypto punks is a decentralized marketplace this was the answer and so being a decentralized marketplace is of the people we never wanted to control how it would go and what would happen to it and so it's out of our hands it is a decentralized marketplace okay and then the rare pep is um they created this new directory which is the fake rares and we were in paris and there was a gallery with rare peppers and a gallery with the fake rares and the same um like community and also like belief in uh you know like the importance of uh tokens and blockchain uh and the way they distribute it the way they do things the way they auction the way they um uh they exhibit um everything they do is still identical uh to what rare peppers would but in a way which is accessible to people because rare pepe is accessible mm-hmm. this was for the first thing was it was accessible to everyone and in 2023 fake rares are so accessible meaning that we were like in a place in paris at nft factory and joe looney himself is giving a workshop on how to meet and everyone was drawing on a paper this pepe cards and it will give you the seed for a wallet and you will meet your own pepe it was accessible there were kids there were older people this accessibility is in 2023 after everything that happened in the nft space uh so well i i mean i answer in a different way but to answer your question uh, i didn't expect anything but i would know 100% that they wouldn't i really trust these people um and so it will be surprising but the spirit somehow will always be there i you know, i'm i'm glad you invoked cryptopunks um because you know obviously you mentioned that like the holy trinity of the nft world is dada rare pepes and cryptopunks you know Sam, you know, you go by CryptoPunk art and you know, maybe this is an issue of decentralization, what I'm going to bring up, but, you know, obviously, you know, Yuga owns CryptoPunks and the IP and despite, I think a lot of the public posturing, they're relatively um, restrictive with how that imagery can be used. Um, for example, like you can only use the specific image of a CryptoPunk you own. You don't own the individual traits. You can't, you know, market or commercialize those. 
in your opinion, like how has Pepe's avoided the fate of CryptoPunks where it's been kind of singularly collected together and co-opted by one or multiple corporate interests? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, the big distinction, obviously, is that Pepe is a community of artists and uh, meme makers. And so, um, you know, that I th I don't, there, there's no, the, each IP case is, is sort of individual. I don't know if it's really that crucial. Like, I think that a lot of the IP issues, as much as, uh, as, much as they've been at the forefront, I think a lot of the use cases and a lot of the just a hullabaloo around it is, is, is kind of overblown. You know, it's sort of like what what is the value? I mean, I think that the whole point of a meme is that it, it, the IP is it, it, it's, it's meant to just for information to be free in that in that kind of world. So it, it kind of works that way. Um, I think what what happened in the case of CryptoPunks, which is kind of hard, is that they want, uh, it seemed as though the idea of the project was to let individuals have a new form of digital ownership um, and, or like a new form of ownership of objects that happen to be digital. And mm -hmm. people, a lot of people um, that, who hadn't necessarily collected art before in the past became collectors of these things. And they felt that since these were digital images, they had this new property of ownership that was uh, that was entitled to the holder of the token, whereas according to U.S. and wherever other copyright IP law, it's it's still endowed in the creator. Um, and so what Matt and John did initially was they when they gave these tokens away or people claimed them, they didn't give away explicitly the IP. So they felt that they were responsible for the image. And that they still owned it, and which they did, um, and, and in some ways, um, you know, they they so they believed that they needed to protect it as a brand in a way that maybe maybe Rare Pepe doesn't doesn't have that. Although there were the scientists, you could say, were in in some ways protecting the brand. It just allowed it to spread in a different way. I think what I wanted to do with my paintings and uh, crypto punk art more broadly was similar in spirit to say that say what the Pepe movement was doing in the sense that they're kind of uh, trying to build community around art that has some kind of anchor point. Um, and, and so I think with the CryptoPunks, it's because all, like all, all of the IP is within Matt and John, uh, as opposed to the community in, in, in Pepe. So um, yeah, that's, that's sort of, I guess what keeps it from being captured in a certain way, uh, the way that um, you know ultimately CryptoPunks IP has been captured. But I think in practice, the way the way I think about it is that you know I don't know what kind of cease and desist letters would come from Yuga to individuals who are using CryptoPunks within um, their own CryptoPunks within a certain spirit. Um, you know that that maybe the the community of CryptoPunk owners would would re react poorly to Yuga, which would therefore damage their brand or the, their uh, their IP. So uh, I don't know. That's 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 my answer. You know, I, I want to wrap up soon, but I'm curious. You know, just like as a final question for everyone, and uh, maybe Aaron, we can start with you. Like, what do people miss about Rare Pepe? Is like, what isn't as understood? 
as it should be or is like underrated about the project, what it means, its history, etc.? I don't know that I know enough about the universe's <laughs> take on it to state it or truly enough of the history of the project to make that statement. I feel like I'm going to defer to some people who are more knowledgeable in the room right now on that one. I appreciate your honesty. Uh, Lewis, what do you think? I mean, I think the whole thing is still vastly underrated mm -hmm. just because yeah. most people, most people really don't know about it. And mm -hmm. again, um, you know, to Sam's point, I think, you know, then like when the, there was a time when, let's say, predominantly ETH uh, traders in Wales got in and, you know, they were getting in with the idea that, okay, they were finding something that hadn't yet been discovered by other ETH NFT traders, which is where the predominant amount of like capital and liquidity uh, re resides. And especially back then, like the disparity was much more pronounced. Uh, now, you know, there's much more access to Pepe's in the larger market and you don't just have to be um, necessarily like, you know, scuba diving uh, from the world of ETH NFT liquidity to find it. But nevertheless, it's still uh, quite a niche. And I think as time goes on, then like more of the you know, things from the early days will become like they're they're have much better documentation. There's much better uh like APIs, market history, curatorials, et cetera, that are available to let's say like the next wave of onboarded users, such that you're gonna hit like per a much larger, a perhaps like order of magnitude or so like increase uh, the next time around of people who become interested. And on top of that, I think an increase of like the financial availability, meaning cause it's kind of difficult to collect rare Pepe's for most ETH traders, I think, because most ETH traders are used to like one of one collections with a floor price. And so there's mm -hmm. like heuristics baked into how the collections are arranged that allow you to very quickly kind of understand what the financial profile of is of what you're buying into, right? Like, you know, the floor price of Miladies and you can see the you can check them out on twitter and then you can see what their community is like and you can see the history and then you can look into all the traits and all of that's made very like explicitly available as kind of like the financialized aesthetic but with pepe's it's much more uh obscure or baroque right because every pepe has a unique issuance and like <laughs> made by different artists and like even up until like that information is still being collected to this day. Mm -hmm. um, so like over time, I think we see more and more like uh, wisdom about Pepe's and like uh, light on like what's actually going on in Pepe's become available to people. Then see like new resurgences. I mean, even recently, you know, in the last, I don't know, month or two, there's been this wave of interest, you know, like, small bands of collectors are looking for like, okay, show me all mm -hmm. the AI Pepe's because they mm -hmm. want, they're interested in maybe like early AI crypto art and a niche of that are like, you know, rare Pepe's, which are early crypto art made with AI. And so now there's perhaps a sudden uh, interest in like a particular set of cards. And now all of the work done in the curation of these cards makes it such that, you know, doing that type of discovery on your own is uh, tremendously uh, easier than it was 
you know, a year or, you know, multiple years ago. And again, Pepe just keeps on giving, you know, there's the AI and, you know, various artists. And I think in the future, we'll see these types of like resurgences back into, into the world of Pepe. Yeah. I think that, um, for me, I would say like, I don't know if there's a certain kind of, uh, flatness or democracy around the images that I think is great. Um, yeah, they each, each one has its own issuance and, you know, artist, but there, and there is a framework, but I think what, what's really valuable is that there's, there's this notion, there's like a, also a flattening between collector and artist and being part of the community is, yeah. is sort of what's important or one of also an important element. And so it's like, you can, you want to share them you want to collect them and you want to create them. Mm -hmm. All three of those things are work together as opposed to, um, you know, a lot of art markets where you have, you're either defined as, as a creator or a collector. I think Pepe really like um, creates a space where, you know, all or those two sort of poles can, can merge. And that's, that's, I think, underappreciated still. Eleonora, what do you think? Yeah, no, just to add to they I agree with everything they said. Uh, maybe to add something that wasn't said, uh, uh, and also like talking more directly maybe to artists who want to be involved in the space, who are new or who are involved, but they don't know about uh, Pepe's. What they're missing out is also the crazy amount of innovation that was brought um, with this project at today, it's like a suggestion that I will give every time you think that you are creating something new, you should check the rare peppers because probably <laughs> either in technology development or because, you know, counterparty, yes, like it's not uh, Ethereum, but at today, we are still, I don't think that like this solves the problem of IP, but I always talk about the fact and Louis, correct me if I say something wrong in terminology. I always talk about the fact that each Pepe card has two comes with two assets. One is the the card, and one is what the ownership. Correct. Mm -hmm. So this is pretty underrated by everyone right now, even in new developments, because it's not like IP, but it's the right for you to create sub assets, right? Yeah. So, th but this is revolutionary. Like, uh, so for instance, like uh, there are, uh, you know, there is one person, there is one collector who owns uh, the Homer Pepe card. And there is another collector who owns the Homer Pepe card ownership, which means that this other collector can actually create legally. Uh, he's allowed or she's allowed to create some assets with Homer Pepe card. And at today, developments like this that maybe could have been taken farther in counterparty and then for other reasons, because they stopped developing, but now they're back developing. It wasn't, but still like a chain like Ethereum is still very far away from even these things that were developed a long time ago. I was always fascinated by the card coming with two assets. It's incredible. It was 2016 and it's still like that. Nobody else did it. So for instance, like if you think about technology, you can think about this. 
if you think about you know like collectibles you should also check the fabulous because probably you're gonna miss out something that again you think you're innovating so innovation takes um <laughs> a lot of effort you can follow uh you know like uh you, you can create new things but then doesn't make them to be innovation so i think that at today the rare pep is still one of the most innovative projects ever created for our space obviously but in general for digital culture so i think that what you shouldn't miss out is like you know study the entire project in its details because probably every time you think you created something new it's already in the red pepper project colborn want to take us home yeah you want me to really sell this <laughs> do it i think the <laughs> most asymmetric investment opportunity in all of crypto art is the nakamoto cards uh, uh... And, you know, you, you begin to look, everybody traces lineage to CryptoPunks, one of 10,000. You, you can extend that lineage to uh, the Nakamoto card, one of 300. Mm -hmm. Each one comes with its own PFP. Uh, and, and that, I think, is just like the shit. I think that is the, the club to be in. I think they might be trading almost like on par with each other as far as price right now, maybe a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars. But it wouldn't surprise me in in the next run if if that is just an impossible asset to acquire. Mm -hmm. And then I think, of course, uh, once that happens, all the rest follow. Uh, well, I appreciate everyone your wisdom and your experience and all of your answers. Uh, I know that this was. Uh maybe a difficult to rank a, a bit of a difficult conversation to wrangle um but i think you all provided just such brilliant insight into what sounds like the most important project in uh crypto art history so i i really maybe appreciate all of our you. history if if you want to make that boast go ahead I'm, i don't feel super comfortable we're making i'm making it here i think max what we should add to all of this is probably one of the reasons for which we wanted to do this is that in these days there is the Sotheby's, as you said, as you mentioned, like the Sotheby's auction going on with ordinals. Uh, and you know, it seems like there are statements that have been done, like the first ever art on Bitcoin blockchain. And obviously the counterparty people do not agree, which um is the same here. So PAP has existed before and it is uh um, yeah. art on Bitcoin. And instead, people should, instead of talking about like the first whatever, they should say is like the first Pepe that did this and the first <laughs> Pepe that did that. <laughs> like, oh, it was like the first Pepe that had like, you know, a real like person in, or the first Pepe that, you know, mm -hmm. did this stuff or with AI or this type of aesthetic or this color profile or this concept. Like start a first Pepe dialogue <laughs> and you know you're gonna that's a whole lot of time there's like 1774 cards and uh if you find a good you know underappreciated first you could be the first to bring attention to it yeah i'll just add i think if uh if anyone listening still pays attention to all of the random boasts that Sotheby's makes um they're, they're barking up the wrong tree if they're looking for insight creativity or uh historical accuracy and you can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all very much for being here with us. Uh, this has been Current Events with Max Colborn, friends, company, and esteemed guests. Um, if you like this podcast, please give us a shout out, a five-star rating, or a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a follow at museumofcrypto.substack.com. 
And please give a follow to all of our lovely guests whose Twitter names and other bits of identifying information I will put in the bio for this episode. Guys, thanks so much for being here and having this conversation with me. I really appreciate you. And uh, I hope you all have a lovely time together in uh, the beautiful house in upstate New York. <laughs> thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so for having us. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast was edited and produced by me, Max Cohen. A big thanks to all today's guests, Aaron, Lewis, Eleonora, and Sam. Thanks as always to Coborn for being an ace co-host and to Julian Brangold for composing our intro music. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll be back with another Current Events episode real soon. Thanks once more.